This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 5, Making a Writing Life. Welcome to Episode 4, in which we're moving on to another topic that was an obstacle and has become much more of a support as I worked to build a writing life. And that is the concept of creative fuel. So this will be our focus today. In, in times now where, you know, we're all thinking about the environment constantly, this may not be the greatest metaphor, but writing is not so different from driving a car. Or perhaps a better way to look at it is, it's not so different from an athlete running or cycling or exerting themselves. It's only possible to continue when there's fuel to burn. So let's think about this. Do you get angry at the car when you run out of gas? You probably don't, right? You accept that there's no gas in there and getting angry at it isn't going to make it drive despite there being no no gas in the car. Getting angry at it isn't going to make it drive despite there being no gas to power it. So if this is the case, and we understand how this works, then let's not get angry when we run out of steam when writing. Because the problem is almost always the same. We need more fuel. There's uh, an addiction that we have as a culture to continuing despite having no fuel. There are all kinds of precedents for this. I, I heard about this um, 669 culture happening in tech companies in Asia, which is, or 699, I can't remember the exact thing, but it was basically six days a week. No, it was 699. Six days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. was the standard schedule expected of people working in these. And and we started to see evidence of people dropping dead from this effort. You know, this is, and, and people are just feeling like they have to accept this kind of, of experience. And, and we even enjoy it. We enjoy running on fumes. A, a really stupid example of this is that back when we lived in Los Angeles and we still had a car, my husband and I were both terrible about getting gas at a reasonable point when it was needed. We would leave it until more than once, I am embarrassed to say, both of us put us in the situation where we would go to visit my parents who lived at the top of a large hill and we would put the car in neutral and coast all the way down because not far from the bottom of the hill, you could kind of lightly tap the gas and hopefully get to a gas station. And every time we would do this, we would look at each other and say, why Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? And it's because our culture values going on fumes. There's something romantic about it. And we're expected to push ourselves to the edge. So should we really be so shocked when we do the same things to ourselves as creatives? If I'm, if I'm asking you to be more fueled when you're writing, then we need to talk about what fuel is. So let's get into it. You know, what is fuel? 
for the purposes of our conversation today, I'm going to define it as what you take in that keeps you going when you're writing. I often hear from writers about how they are afraid or uncomfortable reading when they're working on a book. And they they feel like they'll unconsciously copy and they, they don't want to take in anything and be influenced. But what I hear when people tell me this is this fear that their story isn't unique because it's impossible to go without influence. There's a great book by Austin Kleon called Steal This, and it's talking about how everyone takes influence from other other works. And I think writers are the worst at acknowledging this because you see it all the time in music with sampling or with trends and phrases that go back and forth. You see it in visual art where people are commenting and referring. Film has homage, but writers feel like we're supposed to come up with something 100% unique every single time, which is unreasonable. And And also, I think this stems from this fear we have that what we have to say isn't unique and that we have to prove that it's unique by isolating ourselves from the rest of the creative world, which I find never works. And it's actually not even effective. Like as an example, think about what happens when you and a friend or family member both are in the same place and you're trying to tell the story of an event where you were both present. I mean, think about how many times you disagree about what actually happened on average. This happens all the time with me and my brother. He's like, that is not how that happened, how you're telling it. You know, do you agree on what happened? And even if you do agree, do you use the same words to describe this as you're telling other people? Now, imagine that you and this same family member or friend have been given a few details or a premise to write a story. Let's say my brother and I, who often will joke with each other about how differently we remember things. Let's say we were both assigned to write a mystery in a hot air balloon with a speedboat salesman and his dog off to solve a murder. We'll make it really specific because often people will see another book that has these kinds of premise details that's similar to their own and panic. Okay, so my brother and I have our assignment Now let's imagine that he and I, or you and whoever this person is for you, have been given this same assignment. And we all go off and take a year or even up to five years writing this story based on this hot air balloon, you know, speedboat salesman with his dog solving a murder. Now, if we've spent all of this time working on this book separately, how likely is it that when we show up with our books at the end, that they're going to be the same? that they're even going to be similar. How likely is this? It isn't, right? It would be really hard. You'd have to try really hard to write the same story. So hopefully this this scenario, this ridiculous scenario, has you less worried about accidental plagiarism. Because when we hear big headlines about plagiarism, that's deliberate, planned situations. We're not talking about accidents or coincidences or where somebody read a story and they thought, oh, that's interesting. We can't help but put our own spin on things. And so we need to take things in in order to respond. We need to have something to respond to. That's what drives us in writing. And 
in my experience, trying to maintain a consistent and productive writing schedule without doing a huge amount of reading is like trying to train for a marathon without eating. I only made it through a half marathon, but let me tell you, I ate everything I could get my hands on while I was doing that training. You should have seen, like I ate like the whole breakfast buffet every time I trained the weekend. Otherwise it just wasn't happening. And this is like trying to drive a, a car with no gas, or if we want to be more ecologically thoughtful, you know, without charging the battery in our electric car. So this brings me to the most important question of this episode, which is what recharges the battery or what is your fuel? This is generally for me and for many of my students, writing that you devour compulsively, you know, that you can't resist. And we discussed this a bit last time. It doesn't have to be just books either, but anything that you just gorge on, that, that you feel this sense of satisfaction, delight, inspiration, you feel a little sparkly. You know, there are other things, though, that are not just books. I know it's surprising. <laughs> there are things other than books that recharge my batteries. For example, you know, films that really hook me, series and shows, all of these where there's incredible character development or there's a really compelling world or it's emotional and I feel really involved. Like anyone who has talked to me in the last couple of years knows that like all I need is a Ted Lasso marathon to charge me up. And um, if, if I could find an extra chunk of time, I would be very happy to do a whole show just on the incredible story structure and character development of Ted Lasso. I may not be able to fight it, but, um, but that is something that really charges me up. But beyond even story, I love looking at visual art, going to museums. I love learning about history. I love documentaries, playing with tarot decks, taking courses on basically anything I'm interested in, learning a language. All of my German study has been really inspiring. Listening to music just going on walks, um, crafts like knitting. And the big one for me, the biggest battery recharger is travel. And that is the one I have noticed. It has been the most difficult to do without and stay inspired while writing. But what I'm interested in is for you to think about what those things are for you. Because Knowing what this fuel is and consuming it regularly is all part of this process, which I talk to students and clients about a lot, which is the inhale. So we are built to both inhale and exhale. It's necessary for us to do both regularly. And the inhale part of the process is when you're taking in fuel, when you're taking in inspiration. And we can only inhale you know, it's until it's full, you know, the gas tank will get full eventually, the battery can only hold so much charge, and your lungs can't keep making room for more. So we also need to exhale. So we can't only do one half of the process. We have to do something with what we've taken in, we have to do something with that inspiration and that excitement. And 
for many years, the problem that I had, and maybe this will sound familiar to you, was it was very difficult for me to switch modes. If I was really into one, I wanted to stay in that one. I did not want to inhale, exhale. I wanted to do, um, you know, I wanted to get all of my inhale in for the next six months at once. And it just doesn't work that way. And we also can't write forever and exhale forever without having to pause and inhale. It just, it's, it's not how we're built. So, you know, I, I would refuse to switch when it was time. You know, I didn't want to stop writing and working on that project or, you know, generating content, generating story, generating plot in order to go to a museum. I don't want to, I also don't want to stop reading to start sketching out ideas for a book. If I'm really into that inhale, I will keep going until my face is purple because there's just too much oxygen in there. You know, I don't want to go home when I'm traveling, but I also try to worm out of going on the trip in the first place because I don't feel like I can, I can spare the time when the departure date arrives. So switching from inhale to exhale is a really tricky moment. And it's one that we need practice to learn how to do gracefully. It's crucial. And I find that making this switch is a lot easier if there's a list ready to choose from when you reach your furthest swing. So if you're overtaxed, you've been writing, you've been forcing it, you've been, you know, waking up at dawn before your family's awake and you've just been cranking and cranking and cranking and you're just exhausted, that is not the point to figure out what your fuel is. You're too tired and and you don't have perspective in order to find it at that point. It's much easier to look at a list you've determined at a time when you're, you're more rested and have better perspective and then to look at it and say, okay, I can handle that and pick which thing from your list of inhale fuel options seems most appealing without having to, you know, decide or come up with something. You know, don't wait until you're scratching holes in the page because you're so exhausted and you're, you're just holding on with, with bare knuckle power. Um, don't wait till then to find out, you know, what you would find inspiring to do in that moment. Also, when you're, you know, power researching for a book or you're watching all, kind of, all kinds of things that are inspiring to you, you're reading a ton of stuff, you go away on a vacation and read a whole bunch of books on that trip and you learn all these things about a new place, you eat different kinds of food and you're completely saturated with all of that have some prompts ready so that you can just do some writing exercises or even just schedule to have coffee with a friend so you can talk to them about it and off, you know, let off some of that intensity that's built up from that experience. This week, what I recommend is to make a list of all the things that charge you up creatively. You know, what is your list of things like museums, exciting shows? What genre of book really excites you? What authors do you consistently love? Rereading counts, by the way. You don't have to find a new thing for fuel. Often for me, rereading things that I love has been an, an incredible source of fuel because when we're really exhausted and we need a juice up, sometimes it helps to start with something that's reliable and that we know 
we can count on to give us some support. So when you've really reached that end swing, I will sometimes go back to books I loved as a kid, or I will reread something I enjoyed the previous year, or I will just dip in and out of passages of books that I love to connect to something that I know will give me a boost in charge. So when you've made the list of what it is for you, put it somewhere you can access it easily. And then also make a list of all the ways you can share and exhale what you've taken in once your battery's fully charged. It's important to have other options. You know, sometimes if there isn't time to write, you feel just overly, you know, almost like you've had too much coffee. It's like if you've ever talked to a person, and I have been this person for other people. So if you're listening and you've dealt with me in this state, I am sorry. But if you've ever talk to a person who's just back from like a really exciting conference or they've just finished a course that was really inspiring for them. Um, You know what it's like to be around that person where they just have too much input in there and they need to put it somewhere. So they're just going to fire hose you with all this new information. Um, Watch out, watch out. Um, People can tell by the crazy look in my eye when that is my, that is my situation. Journaling is a really great option when you need to sort of let off some of this excessive inhale. If you've been just researching a topic to the point where you know as much as as some experts out there and you just need it to be contained in some way, just journal about it. Journal about what you've learned, how you feel, just you have to um, metabolize it in some way and let the pressure off. The other thing is sometimes writing, whether you're typing or writing with your hand, it doesn't go fast enough and it doesn't release the pressure fast enough. So something that I've found is really great is just to dictate. And you can either record a voice memo on your phone or you can do it on the computer. And there are, if you ever later want to get something from those, there are apps like Descript or Otter that will allow you to get transcriptions from those. So if you just want to fire hose, talk out this pressure that's built up, if you've gone too far, you've researched too much, you know too much, then you can let it off in dictating. And this can happen, you know, when you're, when you're typing and you're writing just isn't fast enough. Also to keep up with the story. If you have a lot of clarity coming at you really fast about your book or your story or your scene, then talking it through can be a really great way to capture that so that you're not afraid that you've lost it. Because sometimes writing just isn't fast enough. I mean, another thing is, is having a conversation about writing or anything else that you're excited about and that you've done all of this input on. Conversations are interesting because they can be both input and output. Because I find talking to my students in particular, and clients, as well as friends who are writers, you know, sometimes I'm sharing things that I've learned with them, but they're just as much sharing their experience and what they've discovered and what's interesting for them. So it's a really nice, that's almost like, it's almost like circular breathing. Like if you're going to play the didgeridoo, I find a really good conversation can be this inhale, exhale, kind of lovely microcosm, which can inspire you and give it somewhere to go all at the same time. And it's unfortunate as this is something many of us have had very little of over the past while. 
But if you can, if you can do that, even doing it virtually, you can get that effect and it is incredibly satisfying. And beyond this, doing other creative things, it doesn't just have to be writing, but allowing yourself to be creative in some way. Things I've enjoyed are collage, um, doodling, you know, even that sort of coloring books they make for adults. Sometimes if my brain is just too frazzled, I'll just color some things in and it allows a bit of calming to come into the picture. And knitting is also a huge one. Doing something creative, something meditative, and focusing, it tends to put the intensity somewhere, and that can really help. But on the writing side of it, doing writing exercises to prompts that may or may not have anything to do with the project you're working on, it's a little bit like doing scales as a professional musician. And there are a number of books which are really great with prompts. A couple that I love to recommend are the Tin House craft books. There's two volumes. So the, uh, the Tin House craft notebooks, there's two volumes, the writer's notebook one and two. Those are really wonderful ones if you don't have any craft prompt um, books in your arsenal. That's a great one to have, both of them. And, and just opening to a page and doing some prompts from those when you feel really over overpressurized, it can give you a little bit more headspace and a little bit more room in order to then turn to the thing that you're really excited about with less, you know, extreme caffeinated panic of like, I got to do something to let this off. But pay attention to the tension and the feeling because knowing the difference between being excessively inhaled and excessively exhaled or overfueled or underfueled makes an enormous difference to assessing what you need, feeling better, and being able to continue with your work. It's made an enormous difference to me to know if I need input, if I am understimulated, I am, you know, depleted, I got nothing left to say or give versus I've got too much and I've got to put it somewhere. That has made no end of difference to my ability to write consistently. And also just knowing that it is not humanly possible to only inhale for six months or only exhale for six months and accepting that there's going to be cycles. It's going to go back and forth. And so as much as you can embrace that there has to be a cycle, it's not just about seasonal cycles, you know, starting a project, working on a project for a while and finishing it, even within those, there needs to be inhale and exhale regularly. So make those lists, you know, what do I do that fuels me? And what do I do that allows me to express creative energy when I'm overjuiced? And keep them ready for either situation and start to recognize how you feel. You know, what does your body feel like? What does your emotional state feel like? How is your energy level when you are under inhaled? And how is it when you're over inhaled? This will hopefully put you in an, an easier place to get what you need and continue to feel positive about your creative process and able to keep going, which is honestly all that matters. So thank you so much for listening 
to another episode of season five of the Secret Library podcast. You can get links to the resources mentioned in this episode. And you can also check out our YouTube channel, which has companion videos and practices to try. All of that is in the show notes. In addition, if you join Footnotes, which is my newsletter, you can get extra writing inspiration in your inbox each week. And anyone who subscribes to Footnotes can join the Secret Library Cafe, which is our private member community. We've got discussions happening on each of the episodes from this season, and those have been really fun. We also have discussions on other topics, people recommending books to each other. If you have a request like, I need a book in first person, but with some omniscient elements to it or other very specific craft requests, you can make a call for, can anyone recommend a book like this? If that's something you need, this is a group of people who would be happy to jump for that challenge. So once you sign up for footnotes, also via the link in the show notes, you will get a welcome email with the invite link to join the Secret Library Cafe. I look forward to seeing you there. And until next week, happy reading and happy writing. Happy writing.